Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with an episode of the, Beck of the Herald, of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign. You know, someday I'll do my intro properly. But we're back with the adventure, the present, and the uh, no, that's the quest. What what game are we playing again? Are we are we finally starting that game of fiasco? I've been asking you guys about. Do, do you need anyway. a quick reset? I'm Gucci. Uh, in the last episodes, uh, our party, having returned to end yeah, victorious... Yeah, just want to get back into his rhythm. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, really, that's what the listeners really love. All four of those listeners out there. By the way, hi, guys. Thanks. Um, so... Last episodes of the show, the party came back from Enton. I mean, uh, Eagleheart having got you know, this is what happens when this gets interrupted this hard. Anyway, Callous Guy's dead. Why am I explaining what happened? Anybody listening now has a pretty good idea of what happened. You know, we fought off some assassins after watching Gram Gam die on the couch and, uh, you know, did some interrogation, some soul interrogation, and some scrying. Found out that the king's up to no good. There's some weirdness going on in that situation. Interrogated those strange assassins and found out about some guy known as the Fox Prince or something like that. Some creepy weird guy in shadows escaped, and Jarzak wasn't able to keep up or catch the guy. So there's weirdness all around. But to make matters even weirder, after having, you know, met with the queen and dealt with that whole issue... She seems to be on board with you guys and thinks you guys are all pretty legit. But the party are given word that King Therone and his steward would like to meet with you guys. And uh, potentially, I mean, I guess it was kind of ambiguous what kind of meeting was going to happen. But the, the main gist of what you guys had heard in the last bit there was from a courier saying that there was a meeting to be held with the council. So, uh, yeah, I suppose everybody sort of rounded up. So both the interrogation squad, who had seen the assassin beheaded at the hand of Jarzak, as well as Anton and Klika, who saw weird scrying of strange things with the king, uh, you guys are rounded up, brought back to the tavern, and uh, there's an opportunity for you guys to roleplay a little bit before heading over there, if you'd like to. Uh, Norhill will make sure that everybody is caught up on what everybody else has been doing. Oh yeah, we split the party, so through. Mm. Anton will stress that we couldn't seem to scry the king himself. Something is up. We found the imposter, but we could not locate the actual king. With that in mind, 
the party having had their weird little run-ins. The uh, queen herself um, has, I guess, been honorarily sort of invited to this whole uh, council meeting, but oddly enough, her position's kind of in a weird, shaky, shambly position right now because, you know, she's technically queen, but then again, the whole place has kind of fallen into such a kerfuffle that it, it's hard to really say that she's the queen of anything, you know? It seems that when she returns to the tavern after having spent her time with the people of Amaroth who have accepted her and their little cluster of uh, housing out there in the uh, farther outskirts of Enton, uh, it definitely seems like she's coming around a little bit after being healed. Um, but she agrees to come with you guys to the council meeting as well. All right, so in that case, we're going to want to steer away from any violent, funny business and do our best to make sure that any unmasking that needs to be done is done properly. Everybody will need to know the truth. Can we actually definitively prove anything, though? We just have our word against his right now. I think that should be one of the main goals that we have going into this meeting. I know that something is afoot, and we need to know for sure exactly what that is. I mean, it, the, the word of two kings is better than the word of one, right? <laughs> but don't forget also the weird power balance here and everybody's fear of having an issue with King Theron in any sense. Since his army makes up about 85 or so percent of the total military force here, protecting the city and the only lifeline of defeating the uh, Herald of Steel, everybody's very much so walking on eggshells around him. For more time in Azkabellum, I don't know if this ever came up, uh, do we know if King Theron has any heirs or who's in line for the throne after him? He doesn't. And then the only real thing other than that is the, the major plot about him trying to marry the daughter, the uh, queen there, now queen, um, in hopes of solidifying sort of a joint kingdom there do with that political nonsense what you will did we have a rest after the assassins that's a great yeah. question yeah. yeah you guys had gone back this all took place in the morning according to my character sheet all of my stuff is completely full so i'm pretty sure we did perfect well that solves that i don't really know what we're gonna do but it's fine. So, in that case, the queen comes to you guys on her own with a small entourage of people who evidently were close to Eagle Heart and have some strange fondness for her, hoping that somehow she's able to reclaim some sense of something. But once she arrives at the tavern and bids them all farewell, she greets you all warmly and asks if it is time to go to the council meeting. It is indeed. Uh, though I would counsel... Uh, to be on your guard, my lady. With that, she gives you a strange look, considers the circumstances, and says, I don't think I've been anything other than very defensive and protective since I've regained my health of the well-being of my own mind here. She says, I'll continue to do the same and follow your judgment. She says, I don't really know much of what's happened since I've been gone, so you'll forgive me if I don't know many of these faces. Yeah, you're you're forgiven, but uh, just stick close to us. And so the party are off, heading back to the tower with the Council of Colors and the Council of the Staff, yada, yada, yada. The party 
uh, arrive at the tower and see that there are the usual suspects gathered up front before teleporting into the tower. And upon entering the tower, you can see that the council members are all sort of uh, gathering together in a, I don't know what it's, it's a bit of a hubbub. It seems like this was all pulled together very quickly. So everybody's sort of shuffling to get to their spots and whatnot, and everybody looks a little disheveled. But after about 20 or so minutes of everybody clearing throats and tapping papers on a desk to make sure they're all nice and angled, uh, everybody's ready to begin the bureaucratic nonsense of attendance and yada, yada, yada. And as this happens... Um, your buddy there, Mr. Felthistle, uh, scoots over to you and offers a small piece of candy to Klinka before whispering to her ear and says, I don't really know what's going on here. Klinka just eats the candy and nods. <laughs> then gives kind of like a, a look of like, all right, then shuffles over a little bit further over to like Anton and Norhill and hands over a couple more candies and says, I don't really know what's going on here seeming to try to gesture to get some semblance of information if anybody knows anything. Uh, uh, Norhill thoughtfully uh, chews on the piece of candy uh, before saying, well, the truth of the matters at stake remain to be seen. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on either. And with that, he just looks kind of confused and feels around in his pocket, holds up a piece of candy. And then he looks at you with like sort of a like a, a desperate and pleading face for a moment. And he says, uh, I think you just ate my lucky acorn I keep in my pocket. Um, with that, he just sort of uh, scoots back to where he was back over next to Klika and just gives you like an apologetic like hand up like you accidentally cut somebody off in traffic. That kind of like thing. And he's like, all right, well, uh, nice, nice saying hi to you. The bitterness of eating the acorn was very disgusting. But as people continue to filter in here, one of the gnomish uh, people in charge says, the steward has requested that we gather here today in order to discuss some sort of important matters. And unfortunately, it would seem that the steward is nowhere to be seen. Does anybody have any idea where the steward is? Oh, oh boy. Clicky gets a really good sinking feeling in her tummy. No, oh, come on. What could go wrong with this? Yeah, all the leaders in one spot. What could go <laughs> come wrong? On. You hear a rumbling, cracking noise. No, I'm just kidding. Laura Hill really was... shouldn't have eaten that acorn. The he tree roots should growing out of his he, he was present here as of last night. Can I, I like. No mess him up and like do a sending try to send a message to to the to the steward and be like hey you're I mean, late you're definitely good. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you send it really out for your meeting you're five minutes late do we have to cancel you don't sense <laughs> any sort of response um but what happens uh, about five minutes into waiting around for this and hearing people growing more and more agitated as they're made to wait. Finally, the back doors open up and you see the steward, Dalton, and King Theron himself showing himself in the council chambers as they come waltzing in. Both of them appear to look uh, very disheveled and they both look very scatterbrained at this point. People gasp for just like a moment seeing the king for the first time in what seems to be a long time. And with that, uh, Dalton shouts out and he says, The King Theron, we apologize to everyone here for being late. It was my mistake, I'm afraid. 
You'll have to all accept my apologies, but we have some dire information. And with that, the king steps forward, sort of taking a spot towards the center of the chamber here, and he holds his arms out and he says, You'll forgive me for my distance over the past few days. It's been very tolling on my health, my position in this war, and unfortunately, I have some bad news for everyone here. It would seem that a growing mass of soldiers formed around the spire are commencing a march towards us. My spies and my scouts have done well to give me much information out there, and I'm afraid our time is limited with what we might be able to do now. And already you can see people kind of shifting uneasily in their seats and looking a little bit panicked, curious as how their scouts had not seen this or heard any of this stuff. The king then steps in again and he says, I think it is time that we are proactive. Me, being leader of the greatest military force here in Amaroth, being the one true, true surefire force to stop this military advancement, I think it is my place to take charge in this military council. And with time being of the essence, I shan't take too long to explain that I think what should be done is another special forces departure. And he looks right over to the group gathered here in the front, and he looks to all of you, and he says, I think it's only fair that our most promising of warriors and representatives of this land make it their personal quest to march out there first and attempt to do something about this. I don't want my military forces to be slaughtered, destroyed, and leave our city open for an attack. I think it's safe to say our best move would be to send in these brave champions of our lands to take care of this issue for us. I can't imagine anybody better qualified. Can you? And people just look around very confused and perturbed to hear him come out like this out of nowhere, right? And so people just kind of begin to chortle a little bit amongst themselves, and you can hear them, like, discussing this matter, some taking it very seriously, but others just looking still confused that the king's made his appearance at all. And as the room's din kind of gets louder with more conversations opening up, what would you guys like to do as a lot of people are staring in your direction, confused? Insight check. Insight. <laughs> Uh, okay, I got a would also like Ooh! to uh, make an insight. I got twenty. Oh my god! Those are not twenty. Yeah, nice work, Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie, when I tell that? you, when I tell you, I also rolled a crit, but my bonus is less than yours. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give it to you. I don't really know how that works when two parties crit on the same thing. I'm just gonna say whichever one crits a higher success. I know people say crit does guarantee i can kiss my ass ronnie yeah so with that anton can tell the king is speaking in a way and judging by the looks on people's faces anton's able to pick up on the subtleties of the confusion of very important people in the room people in charge people in in charge of like scouts and spies and stuff like that looking so confused that this guy would have this amount of intelligence and not to mention a military strategy like Throw them out there. Just doesn't seem to hold well. And all this in consideration and the sort of like pathos of the, the king's speech here, it leads you to believe he's being very much so deceitful about some element of his speech and throwing you guys immediately to the wolves, one may say, uh, it definitely seems like there's some fuckery going on here. 
So you're saying you want us four to go against an army. Are we getting like a platoon or something to take or because we will march with your army to fight an army. That's not a problem, but I don't, I, I can't take out an army of people. And with that, he says, no, that would be foolish. I think what's best is that you all go out there as a specialty, specialty group. If we send an entire military, we will lose. But if we send you out there to scout and, and to, to conduct some sort of special forces operation out there by the spire, we may win the day. But to send a military would result in a terrible loss. Uh, the amount of troops gathered is... Well, it's the entire population of Amroth walking towards us here. We're a sitting duck. Um, just real quick, what is the name of your scout who reported this back, and are they still out there in the field? That he just sort of shrugs a little bit at this question, and he says, the details of the group of scouts that I have employed is not that important right now. We can deal with this matter later. I'm giving you a summary of the intelligence I've been given. Oh, okay. Which I... direction are we going to head? Towards the spire? Which Just direction any, would you head? Any, anywhere along that? Um, Clica and... looks towards the council. Do we have any other scouts besides the kings that are along that route right now? Well, the, the steward sort of steps forward a little bit and stands in front of the king and says, the king will not be questioned this way. His I'm not talking forces. to the king. I'm talking to the council, please. Thank you. And with that, he points <laughs> to you and he says, you will know respect to the king himself. One one failed step of him and his military leadership, and this could all fall by the wayside, and we would be nothing more than one page in the annals of history. Click is just looking towards the council and not <laughs> like even acknowledging that he's speaking. Just just both hands up aimed at him like eh. yeah. No, eh. just what so do we have we're not... any halfling, dwarf, or uh gnomish scouts along that route? I mean, and I'd also say everybody I mean he the king rolled in total a twenty-seven. So for what it's worth, I don't think you guys are really believing that he is how do I say this? Unless you guys rolled that high, I, you, nobody thinks he's lying. Okay, nobody thinks mind. that he's being totally fishy. Right, all it's right, just so. Anton who yeah. caught that. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, he deserves to be questioned. I, 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 I yeah, I know. I, I didn't roll against his insight because I don't trust him to begin with. Yep, so I, same. he, it doesn't. I don't believe anything he's saying. He, like, I'm he, sure did, he's not like, rolling. It's valid. So I, it's just. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to recall. When we first went to Askabellum, dealt with everything with saving the children of Ura and all that jazz, did anything specific happen between us and the king that maybe the king would only know? Like, I'm trying to think if like, there was any specific words said, any specific actions, because Anton is going to try to squash this, and he has to make sure he's legitimate in his understanding that this man is, in fact, not the king. He's, he's um, gonna try. I mean, that'll be up for you guys to decide. But in the moment, I'm trying to remember if there was, was I don't recall. Yeah, you guys uh, could attempt to sneakily do it, but I am gonna have to roll a listen check versus you while you all talk amongst yourselves. I mean, Antion would remember for sure the Bridget incident. So, the what? 
Yeah, you remember the bridge where you know you cross. You uh, had to make a big decision a... about whether you were going <laughs> to oh take your God. shoes off or not. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a big. It, it was a big cultural deal for the Avians and the king making the choice to do it was. I I crossed the bridge without the feet, didn't I? Didn't I go with the Avians and I pissed the king off? I well, thought no, we king flew across. <laughs> yeah. I took the um, shoes off, right? Oh, okay. I believe so. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, to add on to what Kleka was dealing with, with the steward and stuff, uh, Jarzak would step in and uh, it, we're not disrespecting anyone. We just the most info we can get on this. If we're gonna go out there and risk our lives, we want to know as much as we can. And your scouts aren't present, so we're looking for anyone who can give us more info. So we can be and prepared. He, he just says, I I can prepare a, perhaps a rendezvous somewhere out in the field with the scouts. But those logistical questions are, are, are not important right now. What's important right now is that I get the council's approval of such a thing. I don't see how anybody here has any sort of a foot to hold here to say that I'm not in a position to say what we do. And for anybody here to think that they have more power than I... In making this decision, I would ask that they step forward. And naturally, one of the gnomes on the council sort of stands up at his whole three and a half feet of impressiveness and says, We will not be bullied. There is no amount of army you have that will tell us that our allegiance is not stronger than your military. Whatever it is the decision they make, as he points down to your group, it is their decision. They have done more for us in this country than any of you have done. You, your army... Though they are impressive and outnumber us greatly, are not the reason we are standing here today. Well, that people begin to kind of rabble rouse amongst themselves, and he says, They have shown peace, tranquility, strength, dedication, fortitude under 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 un- impressive odds, and frankly, they've never asked for payment or anything, not even glory. They themselves do what's right because it is what is asked for them. And for anyone to question them or to demand of them is clearly no friend of this council. So I would ask that you apologize to them, and instead of telling anybody what to do, would simply ask their opinion. Well, that he gives a nod. The steward gives him just the most evil-looking, ugly look, and just kind of like slinks back behind the king. And the king just stands there with his hands on his hips and turns towards the party and says, I owe them no apology. There's no amount of pride that they should have in their abilities or anybody's abilities that will come before anybody's sense of safety in a time of war. If I have harmed their feelings by saying they are best suited for this job, then perhaps I need to reevaluate what it means to be good at what somebody does. And he says, if you shall demand an apology from me, I shall give it. But I like to think you are not all as weak-willed as the gnomish council. Hit. Hit thinks about pull... taking off her shoe and Anton's, making him kiss Anton's her foot. Anton's gonna pull off his shoes. <laughs> Anton's gonna pull off his shoes. Oh boy, okay. He's gonna so walk the... over to the king barefoot. He's gonna look him straight in the eye. He's gonna say, I've defied you before. Knowingly. Do not think I won't hesitate to do it again. Why would I trust the word of a man who has stayed hidden for weeks? Sick and ill, and well, unknowing 
in their mind and their judgment. This is not a man I trust. We appreciate the support of your army, we do. But this is not something I'll follow. And Anton just leaves. So, I was going to say, <laughs> so with that, the room erupts in discussions as many people are divided on this now. Some people, the practical side of things, realizing that the, again, like 85% of the military being Azkabellans, it, like you, you can't deny that having this guy not on your team means certain death. But also, he can't just come in here and cowboy this operation. So people just okay. erupt so in can, conversations. Can Clica right. do what she wanted to do now? Now that everyone else is doing, like, yeah. And can can Norhill try to like gauge the reaction that the king has to this confrontation with Anton? Which one? Norhill remember what happened? Norhill remembers that the king actually backed down and saw the wisdom in what Anton was talking about last time. So this uh, Norhill's thinking this might tell him something if he can get a good idea of what's going on there. Yeah, you can roll an inside check. Anybody can roll an inside check to gauge his response. Well, let's see what Clico wants to do first. I know, I know Ryan was... I, I No, go no, for you're... it, because, yeah. I just figured your action's already done. That's why I'm like, the insight based on that yeah. might be telling to what to do next. Yeah. Uh, that would be a 15 on the insight check. What were you thinking, Ryan? Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, so Clico, again, is just going to ask the council for a uh, name and physical description of any scouts that would be near or around the tower, especially on a path that an army would have to march. The spire, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, Ronnie, did you have an inside check? An inside check on myself? Oh, you know, the king's reaction. Let me try it again. <laughs> <laughs> 20! What a, what a crit? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, with the 15, you can tell that he has a very stoic response to this and doesn't even seem to, like, honor Anton's response at all. But Anton's... How do I say this? Anton's little act there, when he turns and, like, makes a face to him and says what he says to him, the response that the king appears to have feels like an acted one. Like, it feels so rehearsed. It's like watching a really good play where it's so believable acting... But like watching his response to this feels like he saw you coming with this move and knew how to like rehearsed in his head before you did it. And so his response was almost like slightly a twinge robotic as if if you abruptly stopped doing what you're doing, he may have continued with this act. But you can tell something's a little rigid to him. And as Klika starts walking past this whole thing and just approaches the council standing before the king and everybody and just starts asking for named names. The gnomes, the people here who have military forces start to kind of scramble amongst themselves and start to pull out like scrolls and, and small letter books and trying to find things to like, you know, give you any resources on who might be out there or whatever for gnomish and halfling, whatever scouts. They start, you know, shuffling around for that, um, getting ready to give you something. Um, but at this point, the steward himself also steps forward and he says, I don't think you people understand the crisis we are facing before us. The people we have sent out there were not some rookies or amateurs of the field. This is not a time to be questioning anybody, their sincerity, or their position and title. And frankly, Azkabellum doesn't need the people of Amaroth. The people of Amaroth need the people of Azkabellum. And it seems that we have been always doing you all a favor. 
And now that the wicked queen has stepped down from her succubi position and sits here before us, probably still crippled in her mind and probably still a wounded individual, one probably a plaything of the demons who have bound the succubus, I don't really see how any of us should consider any word of these people to be one we can trust as Azkabellans. And frankly, and he turns to the king, he says, we have discussed our exodus and return to our island. Judging on your response, it would seem it is high time to do so. So, if we will not be respected in our decision and in our insight, we shall leave. Enemies of Amroth, and we may pray there will be pity upon your souls, as whatever that iron maelstrom is takes pity on you more than we would. The does Jarzak know if there's... Is there still stuff in the water stopping boats from leaving? Um, it wouldn't seem so now that the uh, area's been pretty well cleared out. Okay. No, no, let's... Anyway. Let's not be hasty in all of this. Nobody is questioning your contributions to this alliance, nor the professionalism of your scouts and spies. The fact that this is a crisis is... No good reason uh, to act without forethought. To do so could be just as disastrous as reacting too slowly. So you understand why we need as much information as possible in order to formulate a proper counter-strike. Well, that the king just sort of dismisses this comment and he says, leave it to a stoic dwarf to demand the resources bound by time. We do not have the time for information. We know enough, and we know we must act now. Information will come with time. But unfortunately, the longer we wait, the more we disable ourselves as any sort of defensive force. You must leave now. And if not now, tomorrow. And any longer than that, and you may be doing harm to these people. But we will not suffer the foolish mistakes of you because you do not choose to stand up and fight for what is right. Uh, Norhill kind of chews on his beard for a second and says, Sure, do you impugn upon my honor? And he says, No, I just assume dwarves will act as they always do. As soon as the going gets tough, you'll recede back into your little mountainous home. And uh, I suppose we can do our best to hope that what happened last time won't happen again. Right? And with that, he gives a quick little sharp nod, and he says, My lord. I had hoped that these divisions of old wounds and prejudices should have been wiped away by them. I doubt that there's a single person left in this hall whom I have not personally fought in their name for. Many people have myself and my friends to thank for their lives and for their kingdoms. You and the good King Throne, in fact, are among that number. And so with that, he says, Strange it is now that if we leave, the quarry folk, the dwarves, and the remnants of Amroth will all be vanquished. Perhaps I should be so honored to do you all the favor. Say you leave with your armies and your ships and you flee back to your island and what defensive forces we can muster here are crushed under the weight of the iron maelstrom 
How long before they find a way to cross the sea and you're left alone with, with no friends to come to your aid? I'm not sure I understand this sudden desire to stand alone on the part of your people. And he says, well, it'll be a lot easier for me, my humble steward here, to defend our island. Given the time it would take us to cross the ocean and return home with our forces, we would have that precious information given to us by the time it would take to watch you all demolished by their forces. It would seem that I got the gift that you had always wanted in information. So you see that I am sacrificing the safety of my own army, staying here where we don't have this information. The best you could do is help everybody by being martyrs to this cause and marching into the unknown on our behalf. I don't see why all of a sudden you're so defensive when it comes to me dictating what we do. When a group of these gnomes who have never held a blade in their life decide to tell you what to do, there's no question. You've marched into the dwellings of a lich under the commands of an elf who didn't care for the peace of this land. Elves, which, mind you, are not here in this council. Yet when I, your closest living human ally, tell you what is right and what to do, you all turn on me. And you all act as if I'm some sort of evil being for being human enough to need my time and my rest. Tell me, Lord, when was the last time you truly rested? Last night, I got full eight hours. Don't you know that everything is fine after eight hours? That feels like uh, a dwarf response to that. <laughs> last night, you bum. But, um... Uh, but... I just don't see... Uh, for, uh, first of all, no one has denied that uh, my allies and I will need to carry out some sort of precise strike against our enemies. We're merely trying to establish the facts and apply ourselves most effectively according to those facts. And yet, over a handful of simple questions about logistics, marching distances, uh, who is delivering this information, the day after... We were set upon by assassins, no less, when we need to make absolutely certain of the veracity of all information coming in uh, and from whom it comes. All of a sudden, you're accusing me of being defensive for asking normal questions of any military operation and threatening to abandon all of your allies over it. I'm sure that you have your reasons, but for... In the name of all of the gods, I cannot see them. For a, a, a second there, when you mentioned the assassins, some people who evidently weren't left out of this information seem to gasp a little bit and ask questions among them, amongst themselves. And some people begin nodding with like a look of like, no, it's fucking true. They almost died. I saw that. That part where Jarzak got taken down in that first part <laughs> and then somebody attacked him when he was down. That was really fucking scary. But um, beyond that, you can Should tell that everybody seems to... <laughs> cling to your every word on that so norhill i'll give you advantage on this and you can roll for an intimidate or a persuasion to try to kind of uh chokehold this guy with the speech uh, intimidation is the one that i have ranks in so nice well not ranks of course i rolled a four and a three so so that <laughs> And with that, he just sort of gives sort of a nasty little grin. And the steward looks over at the king to sort of uh, 
agree in condemning you and your actions. And he nods a very ugly little nod. And with that, the king says, I think we've seen enough here. And I think I've heard enough. For all intents and purposes, I'll send over the paperwork necessary to withdraw myself from this peaceful organization, this council, and I wish you all the best of luck. But until then, I am returning to my chambers, and I will leave come moon's rising. Didn't Thank you, you say all. we had a day? <laughs> Is that out well, the window now? Actually, it's fine. You know what? I think if we just pack up everybody here... What's left? All the people here should be ready to mobilize. We can head south to Taihal and I mean, a bunch of petty thieves won't be able to put up too much resistance against well, the heroes of the land and we'll just take that whole kingdom over and live there. They well, seem to, they're not too worried they, about it, it. It turns out that they have their own heroes of the land and they're higher level than we are. Yeah, right. They're coming this way. Uh, for the same reason, they have their own evil villain boss there. Um, um, but at, at this gonna mention, let the guy leave uh, unless somebody else tries to stop him. Nope. No, nobody tries to stop him. Jarzak's been clenching uh, his fist since he he was talking smack about the queen. <laughs> so ready to just swing on him. As as the uh, king and his steward leave, um, a couple of the gnomes speak up and they say, "Klika." What on earth are you rambling about with Taihalon? Oh, just the uh, Kingdom of the Thieves down south that has not offered up anything and tried to exploit everyone that currently lives in Corridale the entire time we've been under siege. And with that, they just start looking around kind of goggle-eyed for a second and confused by this statement. And one of them says, what are you trying to say? I mean, we know the assassins were sent by uh, some sort of fox prince. That sounds pretty thievy, if Klika had a guess. Um, I have like a jack soul if we want to ask. <laughs> yeah, right. Without skipping a beat, Jarzak's like, I have I just pull soul. out the soul lantern. We can run it again. <laughs> we know that they had a magical bottle that... Uh, could capture anyone inside of it and force them to do their bidding when they release them. Um, it just seems like they have a lot of tricks up their sleeves between everything they've thrown at us. And with that, the council members all look around at one another a bit confused by this, and people begin to talk amongst themselves, and the gnomes in charge sort of stand up and shout as loud as a gnome could probably shout and say, the meeting of the council is adjourned. And with that, the people slowly begin to filter out. And as they do so, the gnomes uh, in charge, at least Rudaloo, comes marching over to your group and stands there amongst the uh, din of everybody leaving, looking confused and very scared for their lives following this meeting. And he turns to you guys and trying to speak under his breath, he says... What exactly are you trying to say? Because I don't think this is the sort of thing an entire council room needs to hear. We have a collection of vague suspicions that the king and his steward are imposters of some sort. Or that they just kind of look... The ruler looks ter terribly confused at this point. And looks over at Aldo Felthistle, and Aldo just seems to be picking something out of his beard, and then sticks it in his mouth for a second, realizes he's being looked at, and stands more upright. And with that, um, he says, 
as acting speaker for the council of the staff, the colors here, I think it's safe to say that he is no longer a peaceful ally of our kingdom in his current state. So, what do you advise we do? Get all the people out of the city, steal his ships, and sail to his home, and leave him here to fight the Iron Maelstrom. Does this Just my first thought. I have any procedures with regards to this alliance for a formal accusation of treason. And with that, he says, this was not a formal alliance. This was merely a peaceful negotiation. And if anything, this was all sort of, you know, built upon the premise that he would become inheritor of Amroth, or at least the kingdom. But the queen being alive kind of throws a bit of com complications into this. We haven't had a lot of time to speak with him in order to draft up any sort of formal agreement. So I'm afraid we're in very gray waters here. I don't well, know that we've got a good idea of what to the do. The first thing we need to do is capture the imposter. And either from him or his steward, get the location of the true king. And if he's still alive. We need to know with 100% certainty that they speak the truth. Brutalu just sort of gives you guys a very awkward little look, and he seems to be chewing over like a thousand thoughts in his mind at the same time before closing his eyes for a couple moments, giving a short, pained little nod as if swallowing a very bitter pill. And he opens his eyes again and he says, As far as I'm concerned, and perhaps I should have gotten some sort of agreement from the council, he says, Consider the king and his steward not to be active members of our peaceful group, and for that reason, whatever it is that you do down there, if you go to confront him yourselves, you will be held accountable for all the laws of this land. And so, I'm merely entrusting in you that I never spoke with you about this, and we will have a means to justify the ends, right? Or ends justifying the means. You know, it doesn't matter. The point is, something's very strange here. And if you find yourselves to be true in your assumptions, then I suppose we'll have all the information we ever need. But if you're wrong, this may cost us the kingdom. So, I just hope you're not wrong. I'm going to walk the other way now. And whatever you choose to do next is your business. Perfect. I have a plan. We all nod solemnly and then start walking the same direction as him. <laughs> Actually, we do running. need to leave this way. These quarters are in this direction. Yeah. Very awkward elevator uh, ride. I yeah. will ask him, can you, you see that the queen gets back safe? We're going to have to go he... take care of something. Actually, yeah, he yeah, gives is, a she, nod. is she still here? She is. She sort of stayed beside you guys. Again, the gray waters of him being the basically the inheritor of Amaroth, assuming she was dead, her showing up and being capable of like a firm mind is enough to just show how weird and thrown into disarray this whole plan is. So, yeah. I was going to just ask yeah. her like what her opinion on the matter is. That she says uh, essentially that she is not sure what to do right now and still doesn't know enough information. But assuming you all are as powerful as you all are, she trusts that whatever you believe to be true is likely true. 
and thinks that, again, the ends will justify the means. But if you're wrong, she's also going to have to pretend like she has no idea what this plan was. Can you fucking imagine the DM power move if this is just a bunch of hokey pokey cold feet and like there's nothing wrong here? Like you guys to like hit some weird magic just to protect themselves and none of that's actually true. like he just is the king. He's just not well because he's stressed he, out. He just has an anti scrying <laughs> item. Yeah, right. And he's like, I'm the fucking king. Which yeah, oh yeah, a very yeah, especially a king who personally uses scrying uh to get information on other royalty. Like, yeah, of course he would have like yep. <laughs> proof against detection amulet or something. Why wouldn't he? He would well, also anyway, just tell the 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 best hope they have for the land to go martyr themselves. Literally use the word <laughs> martyr when describing yeah. what we should do. Charizard <laughs> like, was just trying to get more info because it's like, yeah, I didn't say we wouldn't do it. We just yeah, like, like, just want to get confirmation. Like, we're gonna do it. <laughs> we just need to make a plan. Is all. So tell us what you're just like. No, you you guys are being bad. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, And as he marches off in the other direction and the king is left a good 10, 15 minutes ago, what would you guys like to do? All right. We should go get him now before he has a chance to do any damage. I can make us invisible. We'll go in there and then I'll use my scroll of silence so that no noises leave the room. Perfect. And we will deal with him accordingly. Where do we take him afterwards? Oh, in the silence. We torture him right there. Get the info we need. Well, how are we going to do that if we can't hear him? (laughs) Questions for later. Yeah. Torture him first so he knows we're being serious and we'll ask him after. Yeah. Tickle his (laughs) feet to it, please. Well... I mean, I guess no. first things first things, if we're doing this, we should go collect Anton. Uh, is Anton going to be on board with knocking out the king and the steward and dragging them out of there? Because I can like... make them invisible with us. I just don't know. Anton might be on board. Yeah, let's let's go. Charizak just seeing how Anton dealt with the king is like, yeah, maybe maybe Anton's fine with knocking out this king. (laughs) Well, so yeah. Go collect Anton, then go collect the king. I grab Anton's shoes. (laughs) Anton left his shoes. (laughs) Just walk around barefoot. The spirit of his ancestors. Um, Okay, so... Now that Anton has his shoes on, what would you guys like to do? You just go head down there, straight yeah, to a door. Yeah. Yeah, well, demand that we get that bottle back for the second time. I mean, I will say that asking the gnomes about it, they will not give you this. Fuckers. Again, assuming that something terrible could happen, they would prefer this didn't end up back in the hands of somebody else. I would rather it just be locked up so that nobody has it rather than give it to you. We should have kept uh, it. You were right, Jarzak. That's yep. probably fair. <laughs> Next bad or cursed item we come into, I'm keeping. <laughs> so, the party's plan is to just go down there and knock on the door and say housekeeping. Yeah, pretty much. I thought we were turning invisible 
going yeah. in and casting silence. Like we had, we had said the plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting the confirmation. People suggest things, but that doesn't mean that's the final point. Like we can, how big a range does no. silence cover? Like a uh, 15 foot radius or something, isn't it? It's usually 20. I don't, you don't get a lot of 15s. Oh, I thought it was 15. I feel like that's usually the same. 15 foot radius, 30 foot diameter. Really? I guess I'll, I'll check. 20 foot. Okay. Ooh. Weird. Okay. okay. Um, 25 radius. doesn't do a lot Either. of 15s. Okay. Um, How big was the room? Because Klika saw it in the room, so Jarzak's going to ask Klika how big the room was. I mean, Klika the, describes the spell, how big the room was. I was going to say, the spell as described is going to be enough to cover it. Well, or at least I, the majority of it. It Invisible up to the door, I'm thinking use it outside the door and kick in the door and go grab him. Will that cover to the other end of the room? Well, you, it has... Silence has a range, so you can you know it doesn't oh, cast off of you. It casts at a point. Don't you have to see it though? Yeah, but I mean, like the s- second between opening oh, the door and oh yeah, and uh, it's the Norhill or Klika or Norhill can kick down the door, and then Jarzak can prepare to cast it right away in the yeah. middle of the room, and we can rush in. True. So the party mo- marched down as quietly as possible down to the outside of the door where Klika once was part of the wall. Um, so go ahead and what's the official for casting invisibility now before kicking the door in? Right? Uh, prob- probably before we even got there just so no one sees us go down there. Yeah, yeah enough. once we met back up with Anton. Okay. Okay, so everybody's invisible. Now we make it down to his door. And then Norhill will bash the door open with the hook hammer. Actually, shouldn't we just open the door? Like, instead of making it look like it was a break-in? I guess that's true. No, Norhill will try, we'll why I for the try to open the door. I guess we could just also knock when we're invisible and then cast silence inside <laughs> when they open to look out. <laughs> true. Let's do that. All right, so yeah, Nan Norho will walk up to the door and just... Okay, so as you knock upon the door, you hear a voice on the other side of the steward saying, Who is it and what is your business? Just keep knocking. And Nor- Yeah, Norhill knocks again. Uh, a little louder this time. Okay, so with that, again the response, If you do not name yourselves, we will call for the guards. Okay, yeah, with that one, Norhill's just going to throw open the door. Okay. So, as Norhill throws open the door, which, surprisingly, it was not, behind the door, to Norhill's surprise, is absolute, perpetual black darkness. And from the darkness, very strange and eerie smell looms within the dark. And for one split second... You feel a sort of a wet, misty kind of spray sort of splash you in the face, standing directly in the doorway. I'm going to need you to roll me a constitution saving throw. You being Dwarfy Boy, advantage. I was going to say. Can Jarzak th- so, see through the darkness? Uh, so let's yeah, see. It's a crit for a total of 28. 
<laughs> nice. So from the darkness, I like to think it's almost like the night vision goggles where people trying to look through the dark when you see their face in dark vision, they like have that like really pained, like looking through you kind of look to them. You can see the steward standing there with what appears to be like a small, uh, how do I say, like a little pot kind of thing. And some strange spray has just been doused over Norhill and Norhill just like shrugs away from it and it's totally fine. But you can see behind him also is the uh, king holding up some sort of a glazed-looking dagger as it shines and shimmers in the dark. He stands about 15 feet away in the perpetual darkness, whereas the steward holding the pot seems to have a wand in his hand at the ready. Um, so, suppose at this point we should roll for initiative. It, can I get my silence off that I had prepared? Yeah, yeah, I definitely would give you that. Oh, boy. Norhill rolled dwarf initiative. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, all right, what do we got? 12. Ew. I got 14 for the king. What about everybody else? 17. 17? The steward got a whopping 3. Steward still goes before Norhill, who got a 2. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. What about Anton? For 14. Nice. So you're going to have to re-roll against the king. Oh boy. I'm going to have to play a really high dex character next time. I got a two. Oh, I only got a four on the re-roll. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you almost had it. Um, okay. So, in that case, first up is Jarzak. And Jarzak, you can tell from looking at them that it does not look like either of them can truly see you in the darkness. And it seems <laughs> like this was sort of a, a very wild attempt to protect themselves. <laughs> oh, good. Um, This is great, then. Uh, With that, Jarzak, how far in is the king from me? About 20. 20? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, is the steward between us, which I have to walk past the steward to get to him? You would have to walk past the steward to get there. Okay, well, then I'm going to Hexblade curse the steward and attack him and walk but into I will the darkness. Okay, because I was going to say, judging by the silence and by the fact that you can see perfectly in the dark and the steward can't, you technically would walk by him and he would have no physical way of knowing that you did. So technically, you wouldn't even like provoke any sort of attack of opportunity from yeah, this he's, guy. He's also the one who talks shit about the queen, so he's done. Okay. We only need one of them. Very good. Okay. So Hexblade's curse, and you're attacking him? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, a 22 to hit? That is very good. Did you do that at advantage? No. Yeah, he, he really, like, this plan that they had was not one where they anticipated you okay. guys to come down Perfect. here. And I'll roll again to see if I crit. A 23, so. Okay, so you definitely shank the guy in the dark, unless you're using Domro's luck, in which nope, case. I, I pulled out the long sword for this guy. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, Jerzak's serious. Uh, that's gonna be okay. 24 damage. Okay, 
Now, I cannot stress this enough to you that in games of Dungeons and Dragons, I think there's this weird Gygaxian lurk that's come back where like farther into campaigns, you need to have monsters and characters that have tons of HP to like qualify for their stature and everything. You kill this man in one single swipe. Can and I go just, for like a leg? Remo- yeah, you just remove him from this earth. Like he he is dead, dead. Okay. Like he died in literally one hit. Okay. Perfect. Then I um, walk over to the king. Did the darkness go away because of that? I mean, yeah. Okay, then I'm the... real menacingly going to walk over the king as he sees his ally drop and swing at the king non-lethally. So 18 to hit. 18's good. A 26 damage. Uh, Jesus. Okay, so he looks bloodied. And as you hammer him in the head and do this to him, is this the end of your turn? I think I can do some weird reaction damage. One sec. Uh, I guess I could... Because I killed the human. He was a human, right, that I killed? A specter would would race from him as well. Right, but we'd have to roll its initiative, right? Yeah, um... Oh, you're not going to soul cage the steward? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I'll soul cage the steward. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, how, is uh, that a... That, that I have to... That's a spell, so I'll, I'll wait on that. Um, And I guess I can just... Can't I add... No, I can't really do anything else. Okay. Here's what it is. Okay. Very well. So, yeah, I'll raise so, the specter and roll its initiative. What kind of action does that take? It just happens. Oh, naturally. Okay. Well, roll the it initiative, I suppose. Um, I don't know what their bonus is, so I gotta look it up, but I will roll... I usually assume it's a two. It is a two. It is a two? Perfect. A three. <laughs> a three total? Yeah. All right, so you'll be just after the steward. Well, where the steward (laughs) used to be. That kind of clears that up. But, okay, so now that the specter just kind of rips out of the flesh of the uh, dead steward upon the floor, coming right out of the uh, slashed wound of the the steward, uh, the king, now with the darkness relieved after getting bonked in the head, you see the flesh where you slam him, uh, change color in a very, very sickening way, as if like, uh, like a, like sort of like a rippling of a wave, and you see his flesh turning like a purplish, bruised skin color, and it ripples into darker shades of blue, and then into like teals as it stretches from where the wound was, and slowly but surely you recognize the features of the king's face distort slightly, and his mouth closes over as if he never had a mouth at all, and at this point in time. His ears begin to point a little bit, and he, with the dagger still in hand, swings down at you violently. What is your armor class? Uh, it is going to be uh, 18. Okay. I got a 24 on that. So now roll me a constitution saving throw. Uh, 19. You are pretty lucky on that one. So as you get stabbed in the shoulder by this strange alien-looking version of the king, you feel a throbbing, burning sensation within your flesh 
as poison seems to be seeping into your veins, you take a total of, oh, that's so funny, uh, one single point of damage from the dagger, but the poison damage instead comes up to uh, 7, 19, 23 points of poison damage. You can tell where somebody put the, which basket they put their eggs in. The one single point of dagger damage. No dex mod, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. No dex or strength mod. Big. <laughs> um. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the silly old me dex mod. Yeah, extra four points of damage on that. He so swiftly pokes you in the arm with it. You're like, oh, the dexterity hurts so bad. So yeah, <laughs> that's nothing. Five points dead. of stabby damage. <laughs> Twenty three points of poison damage. But as he stabs you, he uh, pulls back and stabs in again. This time, not able to really get the poison across and misses as he swings in at you, glancing off your armor. Um, the strange being before you seems to speak now into your mind instead of like directly out of its mouth, right? Um, for just a moment. And it says, I see you. I hear you. I've known about you for a very long time, Jarzak. Does Would he that... get touched by anything that's in my mind to speak back to him? <laughs> to make him scared? <laughs> you just send somebody to the roller next. The, just the death demon just goes flying into his and he's like, oh god damn, no! <laughs> Starts to melt on the floor into a pile of cotton candy goo. But with that, this uh, strange alien-looking monstrosity um, takes a few steps uh, back, attempting to get out of your general zone of uh, attacking. Uh, you I'm can make an attack of opportunity if you hadn't used your reaction, which you didn't. I, I did not. I, I had nothing to use it on. And uh, 29? <laughs> yeah, that's good. 24 damage. Non-lethal. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, so this thing as it tries to like sidestep and like be all sassy and run away from you. You clonk in the head almost just as hard as the first time. And the the facade of King Theron is completely removed and before you looks like just a giant anatomical model of like human muscle tissue, but it's all just bluish purplish bruised muscle and like green glazed over emerald looking eyes. And everybody here, now that the darkness has fallen, can recall a time deep within the cavernous, stinky, smelly sewage depths below the halls of uh, silver and steel there that uh, a certain couple of uh, doppelgangers you guys had run into looked incredibly similar and behaved in such a way as this guy does. And as this moment comes hearkening back to you guys, um, the doppelganger seems to weave side to side as if like completely off kilter from getting beamed in the head that hard. Um, but now with its turnover and it being a good uh, 30 feet away from you on the farthest side of the room, now near where the, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, the steward is. Uh, now we can go to Anton. So I think I'm going to try to freeze it somehow. Wait, hold on. What? Did you just say you're going to try to freeze it? Yeah, with an ice cream. I don't know that you can non-lethally freeze somebody. You can't. You can't. The only half deal non-lethal damage is to attack with a melee attack. Non-lethal fireball. You can't, like, I can't manage the ice to, like, only freeze half his body? 
Now here, not Sub-Zero, Ronnie. I'm afraid you can't do that. You could no. call for a holy miracle and freeze him. No, Anson's not really feeling holy right now. Or you could use, <laughs> like, hold person or something. If you have that. I don't have it right now. No. You wouldn't be I able can... to... I, I don't know if Ice Knife has a verbal component, but we can't yeah. do verbal components anyway right now. Mm. That's that silence. Come on, Anton. Pull out your magical sword and then bonk him non-lethally with it. <laughs> you can bonk him with a maze. Yeah, that might honestly be my best the mace, would you? Because there's no point in you know what? him. I, I believe Anton could take him out with the maze. Don't want to use the cool sword? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sword with fire in it. I might as well yeah, just use the maze. Yeah, you just hit him on the head with the pommel. It's all good. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit him with the mace. Okay. Alright, roll for it. What'd you get? Oh, I got a fifteen. A fifteen is a hit. Hold on. <laughs> and now you guys who have played with me forever know. I got eight damage, eight points. So my rule of one usually just entails that if something only has one hit point left, I'm not going to dick people around for one hit point. And it's weird how often this comes up. But when I tell you this guy had two hit points left after Jarzak hit him, he was ah, 52 health. And Jarzak cut him 50 total. <laughs> I was like, do I bend the rules? I and I was, was like, no. Jarzak's biggest damage he's done in a turn. <laughs> he just murdered somebody. But instead, well, Anton fucking around with Somero's luck. <laughs> As soon as he goes to run towards Anton to get out the door, Anton just like bonks him with the wrong side of the club and knocks him out cold. <laughs> it's just like, Anton, you did it. You hit somebody with a club. Anton just falls to his knees, silently screaming in agony after hurting somebody with a melee attack for once in his life. <laughs> He's been successful before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Successful is a stretchy word. But anyway, um, so with that. The uh, doppelganger is clonked over the corpse of the steward, and in perfect silence, you guys all just stand there looking over this very, very strange and appalling sight. So, what would you like I to do? I slurped the soul of the steward. You gotta warn me before I'm drinking something <laughs> you say that. I don't hey. know why that was so funny. That I Slurp the soul. You were slurping something too, so you were just like, oh... <laughs> I know, but just the immediacy of saying I slurped the soul. I don't know. Uh Norhill is yeah. to go uh bind the doppelganger so that it can't get away. Tie it up. Okay. Clico's gonna work on cleaning up the blood stain from where the steward died. <laughs> uh looking around on the steward's body, you do find that he has a wand on his person. I guess I'll take it. Click has never used a wand before, but probably like a dagger. She should she'll be able to figure it out. Stab somebody in the eye yep. with it. Just shank somebody with a dagger. Um. Okay. All right. What about uh Anton? Is Anton gonna do anything during this? I'll just keep watch to make sure like nothing was heard and no one's walking by here to check in. How's the Anton door looking? Uh, I mean, the door looks fine. Okay, you guys can we just, just close it, right? Like to and step in. Yeah, I, I will 
Shut it once everyone's in. And I'm, I'm gonna go. I guess I'll take all the anything off the king that he had, any weapons and stuff, so he doesn't have access to anything. Well, nor he'll ties him up. Okay. So on the uh, doppelganger's possessions, you find that there is a single vial with a very thick mucusy kind of goo inside of it, and he has what appears to be a silver dagger. But beyond that. The clothing that he wore was actually more just part of his own flesh than actual clothing. Um, uh, I'm going to search the room uh, for okay. any documents or communication devices or anything. Okay. So as the uh, group scour for the next hour or so, looking around for documentation and all that stuff, um, unfortunately, you don't seem to find anything of, of real value around here. And instead, what you find, eerily enough, are small piles of ashes that are collected into what appear to be like small glass vials. And it seems like the regularity of their placement inside of one of the hidden drawers in one of the chests, it seems like these must have some sort of importance somehow. Uh, Norhill will show those to the party. I can't seem to find anything of apparent import in here except for these. The uh, wand that Klika picked up is sort of a creepy looking wand with like a twisted wood sort of thing going on there where it's just like two that kind of like tendril together. And at the end, you can see they fork off into what appeared to be almost like antenna, I guess, forking at the end to show wherever it's supposed to be pointing. Klika gives it to Jarzak. Good luck, Jarzak. But you already gave me Domero's luck. Zeke is giving you a lot of stuff. Here's one more. This <laughs> this must be the luck finally paying off. Thank you, Klika. Um, don't hurt. Okay. Don't hurt yourself with it. So does it, after does about it look an hours, like does it look like it's evil? I mean, no more evil than any spooky evil artifact. I mean, the, the eviler than anything Jarzak has used. Yeah, it, it looks just as scary <laughs> as anything else you already have in your outfitting. Perfect. Jarzak will put it at his hip. Get it ready. So, I'll say in the hour of time that it takes you guys to stomp those nerds, scour the apartment, and look around for all the stuff, um, I'll say that Jarzak is able to identify the uh, the uh, the wand, and as you hold it in your hand and sort of like poke at the air with it and attempt to find some sense of how to use it, um, you realize that by like aiming it straight up, then down in a whisking kind of motion, you're like aim it at the floor and at your foot and everything like that. And what you notice is when you do that and you flick it towards the floor at your foot, your foot falls asleep, like terribly so. But you realize that it's not like it's asleep. It just it is like rigor mortis. Like you cannot physically move any part of your foot when you do so and you feel it creeping up your leg before like numbing out and slowly relieving itself. So clearly this wand has some sort of paralytic or, you know, some sort of strange kind of magic like that. Um, but yeah, in the hour's time, um, the doppelganger seems to be shuddering awake, uh, tied up in its bindings. Uh, I'll just ignore him. Jarzak would have definitely put something in his mouth to stop <laughs> him from just shouting right when he woke up. Uh, if he doesn't have a mouth. 
Yeah, oh, he he's got a mouth. weird little slits on his face. It's very creepy and gross. Uh, Jarzak's going to think real quick, and he's like, Hey, were you the one talking to me in my mind? <laughs> and see if um, he gets a for a moment, For a moment, as you see the little slits on his mouth kind of like breathing in and breathing out, you hear the voice in your mind again and says, I can hear your thoughts. You are weak and a coward. And none of you will be able to stop us. Uh, does he address the whole party in that way, or just Jarzak? Just Jarzak, because Jarzak kind of leaned in on him. But he looks around the room and sees the rest of you. And at this point, he speaks aloud to the group and says, Whatever you think you have done here by stopping me, you have done nothing at all. Kill me if you must, but my duty is already done, and I've done well enough to delay any sort of effect you may have in preserving yourselves here. I am Victor this day. Okay, so we know his name is Victor. <laughs> oh no! You true <laughs> named him. Yes, master. <laughs> it really sucked to have a very phonetically ambiguous name like the as a demon and just have somebody be like, what's the demon's name? Like, oh no, they guessed it. Like, <laughs> Son of a fancy, god. Like, dragon name. <laughs> But, okay. So with that, he just sort of, like, uh, through pained, wheezing breaths from the two clonks to the head, and then the uh, other clonk from Anton to the head, this guy just attempts to laugh to himself over how truly pathetic you all are for not being able to stop them sooner. Okay, do we want to pull out the soul coin and interrogate that while we're here? You said the soul coin? Or the soul cage, sorry. Isn't oh, okay. It? I was so confused. I was like, wait a minute, is this a thing I don't know about? I'm like, when do we get a fucking soul coin? I don't even know what that means. I'm like, oh, flip it. Sure. Charles Unless we have a way of getting truth out of this guy. I just, I, Cleek is kind of done playing games with these folk, like, and just trying to talk <laughs> with them because it's just not. Yeah, the only thing Jarzak's trying to get is where the real king is, and maybe right. we can fix things with that, but, like, if he's dead, then like, these people are useless to us. Right. <laughs> we can, like, oh. bring them to the Council of Colors, or go have one of us go get one of the good members, and have them come see that the king's a freaking doppelganger. I mean, you guys could be total badasses and just drag him up there. Yeah. But then they're going to just say that we just found... Well, that could be any doppelganger. Yeah, and, <laughs> we all have yeah, a pet I, doppelganger. I do, I do think we ought to establish some stuff first before where we just drag these guys up there. Yeah, because once you start asking questions, it's not like you, you're on a time limit, right? You can ask it a question and then put it back in the cage and go back and forth, right? Yeah, I just have a limited number of questions, I believe. But it can't lie to you? Yeah, it can be cryptic, but... Yeah. Well, So, what would you first, guys like to do? At least, is the king still alive? Would be good to know. Yeah, for, uh, yeah first and foremost, above anything else. And you're going to ask the soul? We're going to ask the doppelganger. Yeah. Jarzak will think it and just get the answer that way, because that's the way he's comfortable talking to people, for some reason, in his mind. 
Okay. So attempting to speak to this thing through your mind, you realize that it does not hear you and stares at you in a very confused way. Dang it. Jarzak <laughs> uh, will say it out loud. Oh, you're the weak <laughs> one. I think that in his mind real quick. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Turns out you said it out loud. <laughs> um, but with that, the doppelganger sort of just wheezes and rocks back and forth a little bit and says, wouldn't you like to know? His predicament is interesting and very beneficial to many. Even if you knew where he was, you wouldn't know how to begin to get him back. He is a possession. He is worth more in his current state than he ever was, well, as I was. <laughs> I mean, I'll ask the soul too, but... I say we just kill this guy, and I'll plop the soul on the table next to this king. Well, no, the council needs to see him, and the council needs to see him alive. And with that, the doppelganger just says, Kill me. End me now, so that I may enter the bountiful fields of my master. I mean, I'll just probably suck up your soul so you don't get to do that, and then just keep it maybe give it to the lich <laughs> like, good luck uh, uh. yeah <laughs> um that'd be a good use of the teleport spell just teleport yeah. to the lich's lair real quick throw that on the ground teleport out just, and he's here's, like here's what another soul is for you the <laughs> why <laughs> but with that the doppelganger just kind of leans in and starts wriggling towards you and says, kill me now. Send me away. Uh, Norhill holds on to the doppelganger's bindings so that he can't wriggle around too much. Yeah, Jarzak, why don't we... Um, We know the king's alive in some way now. <laughs> Maybe we can ask the soul for his location or where it's being held. Um, do we want to ask the body first? Because we can speak with the dead, too. Wow, just get a lot of questions in. Jesus Christ. <laughs> However you think you can extract information, Jarzak. Well, I don't... I... What? Hmm... This is very complicated that now you're just like a MySpace fucking questionnaire for the dead. What street did you grow up on? Mm -hmm. A big one. I mean, Jarzak's just thinking he, ta he takes enough souls, he'll figure out how to get his back one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's how it works, right? Learn how to be a yeah. lich himself. <laughs> <laughs> Can you become a lich with no soul? You know, that's for... People who yeah. have the time to get creative to figure yeah. out. Yeah, you know, the whole idea of becoming a lich is that you find a way to store your soul outside of which, your body. Which mine yeah, is. Yeah, but like, listen. It's stored with another Zorzak lich. Zorzak <laughs> is not, yeah, well, technically your soul actually belongs to the Herald of Steel, but go ahead and figure that one out and defend yourself. Um, But uh, take him to the small claims court. Like, I'd like my soul back. He's in the legal possession of my soul. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, we're currently talking to a half-alive soul, or 
the doppelganger. I'm kind of lost with this undead yep. interrogation process here. I'll, I'll pull out the soul cage and start asking questions. Okay. <clears throat> questions such as? Okay. Um. So, we pretty much got that the king was alive, right? From that other guy? Yeah. You just don't know where. Okay, uh, I guess Jarzak will ask where the real king is. Okay. So, with that, the spooky steward Dalton from the ghostly visage within the jar replies to you and says, The king is in dire straits, caged and tortured. You know, it says the answers can be cryptic. They don't have to be. And it has to Too be bad. truthful. It is truthful. That is a very painful truth. The king is a place. Ain't no bad Ooh. times. I don't think that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> that's what I heard. Got about the same usefulness out of Ryan's. Um, <laughs> what, what do you guys want to ask this thing? How long has the king been so imprisoned? Is a king not a prisoner of his... No, yeah, okay. Uh, no, I no, understand. No, no, sure, no, sure. No, Our... Does nobility not put about that burden? that particular situation, <laughs> not in general. Um, the... The... <laughs> the uh, steward replies in spectral form that... On the day that the deal was done, where the warriors of Taihalon were guaranteed, a debt greater than gold was paid. One might say a king's ransom. Okay, so the king has been imprisoned ever since the day we hired those Taihalon mercenaries to fight in the siege. See? Cryptic, but you fucking knew what it meant, so shut up. What do you want me to give you, like a street address? He's like, he's at 435 Parkhurst Avenue. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Like, ask for Larry. He will know where to go. Hmm. Upon well, whose orders was the king imprisoned? On whose orders? Yes. Oh, boy, you're going to like this. The orders for imprisonment came from one king and seven princes. Ooh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> like, uh, well, we know one of them. Like, yes, and you must fight each of them. The campaign will go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the seven princes almost certainly prefer to title on, but... Hmm, what king? Um, perhaps the Herald of Steel? It's a loose interpretation, don't you think? I could ask him. How many questions do we have left? Two. Seventy. Two hundred. Yeah, I, I wish for more questions. <laughs> we still have four. You guys have been getting freebie answers because the only answer is my questions, and I haven't asked anymore. Now who's cryptic? 
Nope. So yeah, I, I think Norhill is pretty satisfied with his line of questioning. There's probably other threads that we can pick up just from that. So I don't know if anybody has any ideas of any true mysteries that we need to be asking the soul about. I mean, we could just hang on to the last two for when we meet the council, and then he can, you know, let them know the truth about him and the king. True. So. All right. Back to the council we go, I suppose. Okay. So... I imagine maybe Anton or Klika or somebody who was being more sassy to me than being helpful during that scene would be able to run upstairs and call for an emergency council meeting. And within the hour's time, the council, who had only broken for about 30 minutes, are able to reconvene very swiftly. Um, And upon the party returning uh, to the room with a tied-up doppelganger and a soul in a jar... Or I guess now, like five souls in a jar. It, that's disgusting. No, jars, no, just just one. I you gotta you gotta let them go when you get a new one. <laughs> like spooky I, butterflies. I, I was gonna say it's exactly to like a HP butterfly back. cage. <laughs> <laughs> um. So with that, the uh, party are basically given the thumbs up that the council has been brought together under emergency circumstances, and it's very clear that they were brought together by you guys. So, so the party drag the doppelganger the whole way up the stairs. Uh, finally, you enter through the same double doors that the king and his steward entered through. Uh, and upon entering, the, again, amount of questioning and strangeness that comes from everybody in attendance, the amount of gasping and, like, just, like, screaming, essentially, as you guys come dragging this I, guy I was going to say, Morhill boots the doppelganger into the room and proclaims, Behold! The false king of Ashkabello. Well, that people just start shouting and screaming. Every once in a while, you hear a word like the Aetherim kind of thrown in there. People start throwing around the name Doppelganger. People start screaming out about falsities and magic and whatnot. And everybody just seems to be like in a terror, wondering what the hell is going on here. So I imagine Norhill and the rest of the party enjoying soaking up the, uh, craze that's taken over the room wait a couple moments for the din to kind of die down as they seem to cling to your every word at this point to figure out what the hell's going on so what do you say next uh norhill will inform the council of the actions the party has taken um and say what we know so far that ever since that part because yeah. you don't want to admit that you kicked in his door and kicked no, his no, ass. No, no, no. Norhill is one hundred percent truthful. Like, yeah, no, we thought that the that something was up, so we went and kicked in the door to attempt to take them into custody, and it turns out that it was even worse than we thought. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, he'll, and you know, inform the council of what we know so far. Uh, ever since the initial siege of Horridale, this guy. Um, and the steward have been ha- had replaced the actual king of Ascabellum. And it seems that the real King Throne is, you know, imprisoned somewhere uh, in the kingdom of Thebes. Though the exact nature of the imprisonment seems a little vague and unusual. So, 
a lot of people begin shouting and like yelling about this. And finally, one of the human ambassadors from Amaroth, one of the surviving ones from one of the uh, farther towns to the north here, one of them shouts out and says, whose idea was it to hire the mercenaries of Tyalon in the first place? During the siege, they did nothing but harm us. It was I who ultimately accepted the aid of the mercenaries. I take full responsibility. There's a sudden, <gasps> as everybody's like, he admits it. And so that one person <laughs> yells out, how are we supposed to believe that you haven't had a hand in this in some way? Where did the money come from that you used to pay for this? The money came from the party's own pockets and the coffers of uh, and the coffers of Quarrydale itself. Or that people although again you, begin to gasp. Although you can accept upon my honor that I had no other dealings with the folk of Tihalon with regard to the imprisonment of the king of Ascabello. And with that some rabbling continues on the sidelines as somebody speaks up and says, There was something of a skirmish on the road with them. The party reigned victorious. They shan't be questioned on this matter. We've heard tales of them battling fiercely. A demon was afoot. And so with that, people just kind of like shriek and gasp a little bit more over all this. And finally, Rudaloo speaks up and he gives you guys a small, tiny little knowing smile, a very political smile there for a second. And he says... The point of the matter now is we have been deceived, and deceived for too long. I wouldn't be surprised if there were no scouts. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a death march he was forcing you on in the first place, and I'm glad that you all stood up for yourselves and argued your case as you did. I think we can all sleep a little bit more soundly now, knowing that this thing, as he points down to the doppelganger, says, has been removed from his position. Unfortunately for us now, it seems that the Ascabellans are without a true and powerful leader. None of us really have the ability to command their troops. And with the current amount of poisoning of the minds of those in charge, it would seem we only have one solution in our hands. And I don't think I need to truly explain it to you. My question is, as head of this council, and what I'd like to assume is friend of your own traveling party, what do you think we should do? I mean, wasn't Ascavellum originally an offshoot of Eagleheart? A long time ago. Long time. Well, maybe it's time for them to fall back under their old banner. They thought they were going to do anyway, just going the other way around this time. Well, with regard to the Ascavellum forces, I would suggest that high command uh, over their armies fall to whichever general the king had who ranked the highest beneath him. And so with that, members of the council sort of like chew this idea over a couple times and they say, but the king of Azkabellum was and still is a member of our council. We booted this thing out of our rank. But the king of Ascabellum came here on his own accord, willing to help us out. Are we to just leave him in his current position and ignore what has happened? He's true and rightful leader of his people, and nobody could lead them into battle quite like he could. Of this, I am well aware. I am merely suggesting a bandage for the gaping wound. 
that we have right now. As far as a longer term solution, I'm not sure that we have time to recover the key. I would suggest that we find out if we have any open channels left with the Taihalon mercenaries. Perhaps we can enter some sort of talks with the thief king, with the thief princes through that. And there's, again, some rambling amongst the masses here for a couple moments. And again, one calls out, one member of the Gnomish Council calls out and says, we shall send scouting parties far enough to the north. Perhaps from Goggle Glint we'll get a good idea if there are forces amassed. In our good graces and the good luck we've been afforded, the fall of the queen has done much to quell the people's forces in Eagleheart. For this, it seems we have time. I'm not so certain how long this will last, and if you give us the time, we can get some sort of reconnaissance from Goggle Glint on specifics, but... Unfortunately, the last we heard, the forces of the Iron Maelstrom are centralizing on the Spire. I don't understand the true logistics of what's happening here, but it would seem that they're not as concerned with conquering us as they are with solidifying their position. For what, I don't know, but... I don't think any of us have the ability nor the ranking commanders to truly lead the entire army in such an invasion. Even though the Azkabellans make up, you know, uh, the better majority of our army, we are still outnumbered three, four, five to one against the Iron Maelstrom. And not to mention the foul monstrosities that are among the ranks. I think if we're to do anything here, we may need to solidify our own standing. If it is the case we cannot gather the king, so be it. But to march into this without his leadership of the greatest weapon our army has, I don't know that we'd be doing ourselves any favors. Clinica would like to do her best to Free the king as well. He was a good man and extremely honorable. I think if we can, we should try our best to do so. Especially if it means sticking it to Tai Helan in any way. And with that, some members also begin to talk under their breath here. And one of the human ambassadors says, even the mentions of thief princes, uh, there are no true thief princes in Taihalon. This is merely a folk legend. There are princes of Taihalon, but the idea of us taking this issue to them is nothing short of, uh, well, a, a very bold and, I'm afraid, pig-headed idea. I think it should be noted that Taihalon is no enemy we want. They are very, very well off in their position in the Southlands, and I'm not surprised that they haven't faced the wrath of the Iron Maelstrom yet. I don't I think... think we have the option of not being their enemy. They've been our enemy this whole time. Whether or not you want to make that official it just doesn't seem like it matters to them they've done everything they can to 
undermine our position here to weaken us. And with that, the person who spoke to you kind of nods respectfully and says, I I suppose it's my optimism that blinds me in this, but you are right. And so with that, Rudalu again speaks up and looks to Anton and Jarzak as well and says, you all have a lot here to lose. And we all have a lot to lose if we were to lose you. Tell us what you need from us and what you wish to do. Well, if we can get the exact location of the king from either the Stoppelganger or the soul that Jarzak has, that would be a big step in the right direction. Well, that the gnomes and the rest of the council here kind of agree that that's likely the best move, but unfortunately, none of them really know how to intimidate and interrogate something like this. And so the council sort of ends its meeting by suggesting that you will have to figure this out a bit. And they're willing to provide you with resources to get this information. But none of them have really ever dealt with an alien like this. So I suppose it's up to you guys to figure out what you'd like to do. All of the mercenaries uh, that fought in the siege of Corydale have gone, right? They've been gone. Oh, 100%. Norhill would like to speak with uh, any of the men from that battle who maybe spent any amount of time with the mercenaries. You know, maybe he can conduct an investigation and see if he can get a better picture of what they were like, who they talked to while they were here. Okay. So, speaking with one of the ambassadors here who helped lead a group of Amarothians out into the out into battle, said that they fought alongside them, but unfortunately the mercenaries didn't lose a single member of their rank, and none of them really made it ever into melee combat. Many of them scoffed and laughed in their own secret languages, and many of them seemed to not treat the situation as such of a dire thing. Um, many were seen to be pilfering the dead bodies of both sides, um, and taking what they could while the battle was still raging, and many of them left before the battle was claimed to be victorious. Um, they mentioned that there was much praying of these people and speaking praise to multiple gods, um, but it didn't seem like uh, there's really anything else strange going on. But due to the skulky nature of these guys, hearing what had happened and the whole kidnapping and all that stuff that took place, they're not surprised. Not by any means. Hmm. So none of them took any kind of injury from the battle, but did, any, did none of them fall sick or need to make use of uh, any healing services that were available? No? Nope. Well, that's probably a dead end then. Perhaps, but it says something about them. Oh, no, for sure. They're, they're definitely sketchy and skulky. They didn't take part in the battle, <laughs> which means that they had like ample opportunities to do pretty much whatever they wanted. But without any more direct connections, and they've been gone so long, I don't think there's anything that Norhill could pick up on. True. Unless anybody wanted to mess with the doppelganger some more. 
Uh, that's our only avenue left, pretty much. Norfolk's not the guy who's going to be able to put somebody to the question. All right, Cleek is going to have to put on that song stuck in the middle with you and pull out Flicker. Yeah. <laughs> Start giving them ears. So, we, we should probably <laughs> drag this one to a cell. It's okay. like a jack-o'-lantern. You get to carve your own face. <laughs> yeah, that's, not, that's not good. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um, but with the <laughs> but uh yeah, so the gnomes mentioned that unfortunately the apartments that they have to offer are very well defensible and using very I don't want to say this, very uh ambiguous descriptions, they essentially tell you that you can set the ambient settings of the chamber to whatever it is you'd like to. And they're very well defensed in the ambassador suite. So nobody would get in unless you wanted them to. So there's a lot of room for what you'd like to do creatively speaking with this guy in his quote-unquote prison cell. What do we know about doppelgangers just in general? Well, from what you had encountered from them last time and what you know of them from then, uh, I mean, they're otherworldly monstrosities. Um, they are definitely from what you remember last time with the Aetherim guys, that they are opportunistic and they're hedonistic and they're kind of just bastards. Like these guys just suck. Like they just really suck. Like they're not good people by any, by any means or descriptions, but very self-centered. Uh, Norhill would like to make the specific request that the room be kept very well lit. Uh, you know, so that, you know, to eliminate, you know, pretty much all shadows. Um, that the double ganger, ganger be very firmly shackled. Um, and that nobody go in to the room without a named witness who is very clearly kept track of. Uh, that way he doesn't have any opportunity to take some place and escape. Uh, and that also he be given minimal rations uh, for the duration of his stay. No, uh, no rations. Hold off on that for a bit. We, we need him to be weak. To die of hunger or thirst by accident. And he's not going to in the first day. Okay. So we'll say that for a week, he's put on some pretty brutal fasting. Uh, kept with the lights on at all times, shackled up in a very uncomfortable position. Uh, in a week's time of this, and the party sort of figuring out the details and speaking with everybody and dealing with double-checking security and making sure there's nobody else who's wonky and weird running around this place, um, the party find out that there's nothing weird going on with that. The scout information they get from Glint, they find that the metal that was floating over Eagleheart is gone. And instead, it has either fallen to the city and destroyed it further, or it has moved through the air towards the spire. And the spire has reached a new height, and the reverberations are tremendous, to the point that even Goggle Glint's, like, telescopic spire that itself, like, you know, the tower it's built in, every once in a while rumbles, and they say that things now are uneven on their surface, as if the tower itself is slowly bending towards the spire, magnetically so. Um, they yeah. are very terrified to present you this information, 
Um, and a lot of the gnomes who have been at the tower say that they've been suffering from a weird bloodborne sickness, and a lot of them are not doing very well. Um, but uh, yeah, after days of starving this doppelganger, the party have an opportunity to go speak with him. Um, before we do that, can I do um, my take the soul out once we had the king? They're the doppelganger secured because uh, I'm going to be out of commission for like 10 minutes when I do this. Um, I want to use Eyes of the Dead through the soul. Okay. And, that... uh, you name a place the they saw in life which creates a invisible sensor somewhere in that place. If it is on the plane of existence you currently on, the sensor remains for as long as you concentrate up to 10 minutes. You receive okay. visual and auditory information from the sensor as if you were in its space using your senses. Okay. So what's the place you're going to name? Uh, the True King Cell. Okay. So, unfortunately, as you attempt to do this, it would seem that this guy, the steward, has never seen this place. But he knew it was a cell. True. Okay. Um, and I'm going to ask him to show me uh, where he got the order from the seven princes okay so creating the sensor in the location and receiving it it's like the live feed essentially of that place right now yeah yeah okay so what you see as you like focus there and your eyes roll back in your head and you take on this strange sensory experience you see what could only be described as like an underground dungeonous layer, but one affording the the finest of like fabrics and silks. And you see like smoke rising from candles and incense burning. You see people laying about on couches, big, thick, velvety couches. And you can see people dining and drinking wine and whatnot. And you can see what appears to be a single person sitting upon what looks like a marble throne, uh, sort of taking part and smooching people and just kind of like engaging in like just hedonistic kind of wild stuff. Right. Um, but he seems to be wearing a mask itself, which just extends from his face um, like a good few inches, if not almost like half a foot. And it seems to be like, like ceramic glazed green with the gemstones all up and down it with little diamond points and little crystal points running up the sides and on the front of it two giant topaz stones looking like lizard like reptile eyes and from where your position is looking at this guy sitting there with his pot belly sort of distended over his belt line um his face looks not unlike a crocodile's wearing this mask and as he sits there, sort of just enjoying the revelry and speaking amongst everybody in the room and singing songs, he calls for more songs and people dancing all around him and just seems to be taken in the good life. 
Okay. Um, or oh, something like that. People with true sight can see the sensor, by the way. Yeah, you're good. Or if they use the invisibility, but yeah. Um, He's far too drunk and enjoying himself to even try if he could. I also like thinking the sensor just looks like Jarzak standing there with his hands over his eyes, like like well, little it, like it, little <laughs> binocular hands, just like staring at them. <laughs> just so like, it, it would you be a translucent image of the tormented humanoid whose soul you caged. <laughs> He's just standing there, like, ouch. <laughs> okay. But, okay. All right, and then. I'm gonna spend our last question. Um, do you have any true allies from your country here in the city? He says yes, but to succeed among the princes is to have no allies whatsoever. For the princes themselves are not allies to one another. Okay. Uh, Jarzak's going to relate to the group what he kind of saw and stuff. And <laughs> I just saw a weird swinger sex party and a guy dressed up like a crocodile. Yeah, I'm pretty sure down south they're just partying and having a good time. Well, so... it's funnier that it's down south. Now I feel like I gotta make them all like Alabama weirdos. Just like, <laughs> what are you doing down there on that thing there, man? So, I mean, we... <laughs> you know, option B, we could just uh, get all the citizens here overseas to safety and march the army south instead. I don't think that that's realistic. Nonsense. Anton can make plenty of mud pies. We'll be safe. We'd be hard-pressed to find a more defensible position than this one. So, after gaining that insight from your weird spectator spell thing, um, the party still stand outside the door of the tortured white room uh, with the doppelganger inside. So what would you like to do now? Who wants to be the one asking the questions? would have to be somebody with a great charisma. So I think Kleeka should be the one to do it. Being the sorceress. In the <laughs> <laughs> well, can did, ask questions. did we prep uh, Zone of Truth? We get on that front? Jarzak can't do that. That would, be pretty, that? that would be pretty clutch. If he's been in there a week, we would have had time. <laughs> Sure. Let's get in there and just pop off. Why not? <laughs> Sounds way scarier than it should. What color okay. is your underwear? I mean, if you'd like to, I mean, Anton, there's no reason why Anton couldn't have prepared Zone of Truth. Teeth on his toes. So, uh, Ronnie, would you would you have had Anton prepare Zone of Truth for this guy, or do you think because he's been starved, it's going to be uh, fine? I just don't know how this is really going to help. It just means they can't say a lie, but that doesn't mean what they're going to tell us is useful. I mean, that that's the whole point of... I just don't see... But they're not I, I, lying. They're just tail but... telling us not 
They could also Rob tell us nothing or tell us just lies, which is worse. I'd rather nothing or the truth. Yeah, at least rather than yeah, this nothing gives us or a lies. baseline to work from. At least we know potentially what they're saying is true. Not to mention anything he wouldn't answer would likely be a sign that he would likely lie about it, which goes to show what he might not want to be telling the truth about. You know what I'm saying? It's got that reverse so, psychology that Southern doppelgangers got. Yeah, so, you know, combined with, you know, somebody with a high charisma, uh, you know, did doing, uh, leaning on him to get the information out, it's helpful. Okay. So, Ronnie, your final judge on this one. Does Anton want to cast it? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Are you going to use your uh, lantern for that? Yep. I figure that's probably what happened. You just walk in, light the lantern, and put it on the floor in front of him. And he's just sitting there shackled to the ground like, what was that? I'm I feel so like hungry. Anton would just set it down and walk out. Just, I don't want to see this. Then <laughs> comes Nora Hill ready to crack some fingers again. God, he it's loves that so right? much. You know, that's pronouncing like judgment. Right? You know, Nor Hill is not a torturer. No, no, that's no, my no. job. Yeah, that's <laughs> Jar's next job. Norhill's the good cop. So, as you light the lantern, the uh, doppelganger looks down at it, Lynn looks back at you, and you see, like, the pained, quivering flesh of this thing as it's breathing through almost like gill-like sacks on the sides of its neck. It seems to be, like, labored in its breathing. But as it looks down again and looks back up at you, you can see, like, a wicked intelligence come over it as it uh, seems to be very well aware of what you've done and what you've said as you prayed and light your lantern and leave it there before you. Does it have disadvantage on its saves and everything? Because it got to have some levels of exhaustion after a week, right? Oh, you better. I mean, I I rolled very poorly. You're oh. you guys very Gucci. He knows what just happened, and he's very well aware that he's like, well, like he can't speak a lie if he right. tried. But you guys got to test to see if the spell works. Be like, do you think Norhill is a cool guy? Uh, no answer. I see how it is. <laughs> Clearly, he's lying. Okay. Okay. So. so I guess Jarzak will walk in and he's gonna like drag a chair in with him and just put it in front of him and sit down. Uh, okay. Norville will walk in like a beat after. Uh, what time of day is it? It's probably in the morning. You guys had your like morning debriefing with the scouts and all that stuff. Uh, Norville will walk in and stand beside uh, Jarzak. Which I can still tell that the Norhill sitting down probably, <laughs> um, uh, and say good morning, Mister. I don't suppose we figured out your real name, did we? And he says, "I don't have a name." Well, that's awkward. What heart we call you? And with it, with that, he says, as his flesh seems to like haphazardly shift back to King Theron's, he says. Call me the king of Azcobello. <laughs> As he coughs, pained. So, king of Azcobellum. Jarzak not even missing a beat. Okay, king of Azcobellum. If that is your real name. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, 
I don't remember him looking like that. It's like, I'm literally a one-for-one one ratio, perfect depiction. Of, what do you mean? It's like, no, I think he had a bigger mustache. Like, what are you talking about, Jarzak? Like, and it was blonde, too. <laughs> Jarzak, are you colorblind? <laughs> or just face blind? Eye contact freaks him out. Anyway. Who are you working with in the city? And he says, I work alone in the city beyond that fool who you kill. Who's that fool working with other than you? I'm not entirely sure. That's his business and not my own. Where's the king? He looks over at the lantern and he looks back at all of you and he says, I see what you've done with this. And as someone who's done quite a bit of torturing in my own day, I can promise you, I haven't much to lie about at this point. I know my fate. And more unfortunately for you, I know your fate. Sure, you may save the king. But I promise you, my king has benefited quite a lot in this time already, and will continue to. Who is your king? He says, my king is an old man. The old man. And I am not the best in what I do, but I operate under the princes. What do the princes have to gain from sticking their fingers into this conflict? And with that, he just looks in your direction and he gives you kind of like, are you sure you're asking that question? He says, <laughs> he says, we gained plenty of the money from your own treasury to march in here and pretend to be warriors. We gained a king as ransom and were paid to do nothing and lose not a soul. You tell me what we have to gain. Every bit we can squeeze out of you fools as you clamor for any sense of safety and salvation. Really? Kidnapping the king and destabilizing the defenses of the Herald of Steel and all you wanted out of it was money? He doesn't answer. He just stares at you. Norhill stares back. <laughs> Jarzak looks at their feet because he doesn't look at faces, <laughs> evidently. <laughs> I also like thinking his eyes are like boggling out of his head when he's staring at feet. Like he's not just like looking casually. He's just like staring <laughs> hard at feet. <laughs> just, you can learn a lot like, about has, a person. <laughs> like how has nobody noticed that's what Jarzak does? We're just like painfully aware of it up to this point that he just always <laughs> stares at feet. They just always assume I'm looking down at them to see them because I'm taller. Yeah, but okay. I, I'm looking like past yeah. their face. They don't realize it. His eyes are so <laughs> sunken into his skull at this point. <laughs> Can't even see. Um, it's a fun He's got weird astigmatism from his bug eyes. Anyway. So staring contest is going on between the two of them. If we starve you for another week, will you give us any more useful info? He says, I have done plenty and made my masters proud. If I die of hunger, I go off to a very rich and bountiful afterlife. I, I, I say we just give his soul to the lich. And Jarzak pulls out his blade, stands up. 
Well, he no, just looks perplexed uh, by this. Now, hold on. I don't think there's any reason for all of that. I don't doubt that you will eventually be executed, and I don't see any reason to hold you back from your afterlife. However, we can keep you here however long we need to get the answers we require. He says, I have made it far in my life by bargaining and being dishonest. But I've made it farther by being true to my word and being honest. I will offer you this. I will give you information that you normally would never have if you set me free. I'm hearing I'm you. I'm afraid that I don't have the authority to make that guarantee. I I have the authority to guarantee that. In charge, Zach. <laughs> Shut yeah, up, Norhill. I'm in charge. Who's going to stop us? If the info's useful, and we deem it to be so, you can walk... But you must not become the king again. You could probably just straight up ask him what he's gonna planning to do. At least we'll know. <laughs> we hear from outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> what are you planning to do when you're free? And he says, I will return to the Aether Rim and I will find more work doing what I do best. But my soul is spoken for. And it belongs to the king, the true king. And I shall be rewarded for all I've done. Wait, is, do you not have your soul with you? Of course he has his soul with him. <gasps> Wait a minute. Well, I don't have my soul with me. What do you mean, of course? Like, what? <laughs> Darzak, that's an anomaly, okay? Let's be real here. And your weird hey. obsession with taking other people's souls is a little creepy. Okay, okay? he said but... my soul is spoken for. Like, what am I supposed to Mine is too, bud. <laughs> he meant it more on like a spiritual level, like most yeah, people Tr would. Tr doesn't understand that. <laughs> 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 of course, when we're speaking of souls, he takes it very literally that the object of his soul must be what we're talking about. But anyway, but uh, yeah, he says, I shall be rewarded for my evil deeds and all of the wealth I gain through my deceptions. I shall be rewarded handsomely. And frankly, for my duties that I've done already and what I've done to your king and what I've done to these people delaying the inevitable. I am sure I will be welcomed greatly. So long as you don't become the king again, I'll hear what you have to say. And he says, good, then free me now. Let me on the road, and I will tell one of you. Well, we know he's not Which... lying. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. up from the door. Like, Wait a minute, he can't lie about that. He said it out loud. Yes, but I don't know why will... come in the room. That's another will... thing. You will... guys were doing buddy cop. I couldn't. <laughs> there was no room. Ne neutral cop. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Klika. <laughs> yeah, Klika's just there to say now, now, <laughs> and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Klika's just saying all of this from behind the double glass. You know, the one-way mirror, two-way mirror, whatever Breaking. it is. 
just drinking coffee, wearing yeah. suspenders on a white button-up shirt, just saying, smoking re- <laughs> really long cigar- cigarettes with a uh, Aldo. <laughs> They're just oh. candy. <laughs> he doesn't know how <laughs> mine keeps getting lit. <laughs> so, so with that, how can we guarantee it's the truth when we're out there? You know what we've done here. The uh, doppelganger looks down at the lantern and says, have me go with the holy man. Have him carry the lantern. Surely I can't tell a lie in its presence. Uh, does Jarzak know if that's an actual guarantee or not? Because I don't think Jarzak knows that much about this lantern. <laughs> he's just like, I, I mean, didn't again, know it could do this. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's within the, the realms of uh, still being true. And I mean, it's got the, uh, what's it called? Yeah, magical zone. I I I will allow it for the sake of this. I don't know if that by technicality that's how it would work, but I know usually they have to use like a candle for the zone of truth or whatever. Um, or at least they used to. So I would just say as long as he's within the presence of the lantern for the casting time, I'd say that that counts. Oh, so I can just take him in the lantern and go. True, but he asked for the holy man. Rosak, this is ridiculous. His crimes are too many to count. Yes. No information uh, is worth letting this man, criminal, whoever he is, to walk free once more. Okay, we don't know. His only crime so far is claiming he was the king and delaying what we're doing here. We don't know what if he's even involved with them taking the king. Can you transform? Can he? I'm asking if he can. Is he, does he have the strength to transform? Yeah, he turned into the king. Like, to someone other than the king. Not walking you out of so, here as the king. In a very eerie, sort of, like, weird psycho- like psychology kind of way... He transforms into a man that you almost feel like you've seen before, but it makes you feel this weird, eerie sense that, like, he could have killed anybody and taken on this persona. And this persona could be from 200 years ago, but he just takes on the form of some guy with just short brown hair and a mustache, and he just looks like him. Uh, Darzak, this shit's ill. We'll find another way. No. Uh... Yeah, but I think this is our best option. The doppelganger seems to pick up on the fact that Jarzak is at least, you know, going for the bait a little bit here and turns towards Norhill and says, I know the city with which you should look. Where else would you find this information? And he looks back over at the lantern and says, would I lie? There are countless people who might know. Based on what I've learned of your homeland, no one's loyal to anyone. The right amount of gold will get us the right information that we need. Someone will help us. If it's not you, it will be someone else. And with that, he just sort of shakes his head and says, In that case, kill me now, for I am worth nothing to you. Wait, do you have more than just a town? Or is that all the info we're getting? I may have more than that, but our agreement 
is the settlement. Norhill, I know you want the holy man to walk you out, but Norhill, I'm going to walk him out. We're going to go to the edge of the city. He's going to disguise himself as Anton, so no one's suspicious. And Darzak, I'm telling you that this uh, thing will stay and face justice. The doppelganger's going to end up joining the party when one of you two idiots dies. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, Pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, right. He's got pretty cool powers. Yeah, man. Perhaps we should discuss this with our party. I was going to say, I get it. And Jardazak's going to get up and leave. Okay. Norhill doesn't take his eyes off the doppelganger as he leaves. I guess Jarzak Jarzak will also leave food with him. Nice. Okay, so the two of you step out of the room outside of his earshot. Alright, well good guy, bad guy, torturer didn't really work. We definitely should have had like a neutral person in there. Um, on her 17th candy there she's like putting the stubs out and overflowing ashtray <laughs> oh drinking black coffee maybe I was the neutral one yeah. why didn't Klika go in <laughs> you guys couldn't have handled bad cop Klika sorry on only sharing what he knows should he go free but he knows the city that the king is being held in. And that could change a lot of things for us if we can get the king free. I can walk the doppelganger out of the town and get the info. I don't think it's worth it. I think either we hold for the information and keep him in custody uh, to face his just desserts, or we find some other way to get it what we need. Well, Klika, what do you think? Mm, Klika doesn't really like the idea of letting someone who could become anybody go, especially after how we treated them. Are we far enough out of earshot? Yes, you are. Okay, Jar's actually going to be like, I'm, I'm going to kill him when we get, I get the info. Like, uh, uh, we just need this information. And if I have to play nice to get it, I will. Or I can knock him back out and drag him back here if that's what Norhill would prefer. That's so funny. Walk him out to the city and just plonk. Then just drag him back. We're not tyrants, Jarzak. I think that we do this the right way or we don't do it at all. Which is pay thieves to tell us information that might be lies also. That's the right way. That's a different question entirely. Exchange of money for goods and services is one thing. Exchange of threats and outright murder is another. Yeah, we lie to him to get some info and then bring him back and he can go on trial. I mean, he has spent his whole life deceiving others and probably taking advantage of them. It wouldn't really... 
it would be kind of karmic if we did the same to him. Norhill just has a soft spot for poetic justice. Like, okay, fine. Does. Yeah, right. I don't know. I feel a need to draw a line somewhere, and this may as well be it. I suppose if I can't dissuade you from this path, I cannot. However, if this is what you decide, I shall have no part in it. Okay. So, what's Jarzak going to do then? Alright, well, you guys can head out then. And Jarzak's going to head back to the cell. Okay. So, uh, Norhill goes back to the succubus's scorn then. Okay. So, Jarzak walks in by himself. And uh, the doppelganger looks to you and says, the spell has ended. Uh-oh. All of a sudden, the chains go flying towards Darzak, like, Jesus Christ! Oh, no, it was a chain devil! So, I can grab the lantern. of a doppelganger. Fucking... Those were his chains. We never chained him up. Jarzakko grabbed the lantern and... does this go? So he'll grab the lantern and be like, well then, I guess we'll see you when we can do that again. And I walk back out with the lantern and lock him up. Okay. I'm not going to let him walk free without getting the truth. True, but the fact he said the spell ended. There's an eerie weirdness about this. I feel like you... I'm not going to force you to roll an insight check, but like the eerie level of truth he gave to you and the way he had spoken the whole time about having like earned his own place, like he kind of sounds like he's at peace with whatever is going to happen. Yeah, and I'll make sure he gets fed tonight for that. That's fine, but... <laughs> can can Anton ca- recast it immediately or how does... Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's just a second level spell. I'll double check it. You should be able to do it. So yeah, are you going to have Anton walk him out with the lantern? Can I hold the lantern and walk him out? Would that still work? Because you said it would be with the lantern. I mean, I find it hard to believe Anton would want you walking around with the lantern out in the no. middle of potentially treacherous situations. Yeah, Anton would keep the lantern on him. So... Anton can come with you. I mean, what was the worst thing that happened when you two walked away together alone last time? I mean, you got attacked by... Uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> so, in that case, would you like to be Anton and yourself walking him out there? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, he takes on the shape of somebody who looks like they just a nobody, right? Um, and as you guys walk out of the cell, nobody really thinks anything different of it. People look a little confused because they've never seen this guy before, but watching the two of you walking on either side of him uh, with certain stoic and spooky-looking faces, they kind of have a feeling something's up, but nobody seems to question anything or stop you. 
as the two of you walk out of the uh, sort of a southern passage here, out of Enton, going out one of the southern gates uh, where it's a little bit less defensive um, and skulking out past the borders here, past some of the outer villages, not at any point does the doppelganger speak a word or attempt to break away. And so as Anton prepares the spell with the lantern and holds it up with the uh, truth spell there, the zone of truth upon the lantern's light, the doppelganger stands there and stares at you both blankly and says, What is it that you seek? You seek the king? The king and his location, how to get to him, and who actually sent you. I agreed to one question, and that is the location. You may find your king within the rotten underbelly, the hidden council of princes within the city of Calqui. That is all I will tell you. Who has sent me is my business. That's fine. Do you know how we can get to the king? And with that, he smiles a very, very uneasy smile, as if witnessing something without a mouth trying to give you a very, very wicked alien version of a smile. But with that, he says, you're going to have to try very hard. But I'm sure, as he looks down at the lantern, looks over at Anton, looks back at you, he says, I'm sure you will all find a way. With that, he gives a nod and turns away to walk off. And with that... <laughs> Here comes the triple <laughs> warlock spell combo. Yep. Gotta do something. Like ace. I'm sure he's pretty weak still. <laughs> so Yeah. They didn't give him armor. So... I'm gonna flip a coin real quick. One sec. Don't do the soul coin. It's the soul coin. Um, as you prepare to like attack him or whatever, you see as he begins walking away that he holds his arms out and like kind of like a T sort of shape there and stops in the middle of the path and just sort of stands there vacantly waiting for whatever is going to come his way next. <laughs> yep, Charizard's going to attack. Without turning around, he says, I have already made my peace. Then I will not steal your soul and give it to the Lich. And Jarzak's going to kill him. <laughs> Wait, you said you're not going to? Not going to give it to the Lich, yeah. So that he can <laughs> actually move on. Are you taking it in your on. stupid jar? Oh, Damn. yeah, I'm taking it in my jar. You can, though. Doesn't it have to be a humanoid soul? Otherwise, you can oh, kill him fucking like, Oh, yeah, he's not humanoid. So I'm going to yeah. do non-lethal damage. <laughs> you just gonna leave him out here? No, I'll drag him back. Oh, you fucking son of a bitch. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so he, anticipating death, just faces <laughs> forward and gets clonked on the fucking head. He falls to the ground with a thud. We're gonna end the game, I suppose, with Jarzak dragging <laughs> the doppelganger back. The very disappointed. I, I... I will cast invisibility on myself, Anton, and the doppelganger body just so we can get it back into the cell or close. Well, there you go, guys. That's how we're ending it tonight. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yep.
Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.